Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. And this is the inaugural, inaugural, videotaped Getting Hammered. So this makeup's not for you, Vic. It's for the people. I didn't even know you were wearing makeup. <laughs> oh, thank what? you. Thank you. Thank you, wake Kate. Up? You for just, training that answer. That's right. Well like, done. I will say to her, I said, how did you just put on the makeup before I woke up? It's amazing. Amazing. Well, she really is a fresh face. She is, though. Young actually. lady. Yeah, she is. <laughs> we are your morning show for any hour. We've got a lot of 2024 news for you today mm-hmm. and some baseball and beer. Don't want to miss that. How are you doing, Vic? I am hanging in there, Mary Catherine, but I'd like to start the show with a public apology. Mm. So this morning... I was on the fence about whether to get breakfast. I'd got here early to prep for the show, and I decided, you know what? I'm getting breakfast. No intermittent fasting for you. Not today. Okay. It was going to be in the back of my mind, and I wouldn't be able to concentrate on all the important things we're discussing today until I had a bagel from Bethesda Bagels. (laughs) So I walked there, and I said, you know, I'm going to go healthy. I'm going to get the smoked salmon, the lox, lox and cream cheese, tomato, onion. Wonderful. I'm waiting there for it. Woman comes out. My number's 152. She's 152. And I said, 152? And she just looks at me and nods. I take the bag. I leave. I go back to the office, all the way back here, go all the way upstairs. I open it up. Mm -hmm. It is not the bagel and locks with cream cheese, but a bacon, egg, and cheese on an everything bagel. Wonderful, but not what I was expecting. I was trying to go healthy, as you know. I mean, sometimes the Lord's just looking out for you. It is. Okay, but here's the thing. So first of all, the public apology to the person who was hoping for that, maybe they didn't want the bagel and locks, okay, Mm -hmm. and they're waiting there. And where's my order trying to get their day started, go to work? I got a feeling that like, I, look, I like locks, but flipped the other way around. That is disappointing to get it in your bag is, if you're looking if for you're bacon, not in for cheese. that, that's yeah. exactly right. Okay. The question is this, though. I'm up there. I see a thing of egg, and then I realize it's not my order. It was 142, not 152. Uh-oh. What would you do? Would you go back or no? Like, oh, what's done is done. No. Once you have traversed... The great journey from the bagel place to your okay. office, I think you're off the hook. Right. That's their responsibility to get that correct, not yours. Well, here, here's another thing. She calls out the number. Somebody else could have been like, oh, no, that's my number. Yeah. Instead, nobody else claimed it. It was just an orphaned bacon, and egg, and cheese. And I'll tell you and what you it can't is. Have the, you want to foster the bacon, egg, and cheese. Well, you have to take that. Yes. Adopt, don't shop. I, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And also, I think that people are on their phones all the time. Yeah. And I think half the time they don't even hear the numbers being called. But I did because, you know, I'm really hungry. Uh, but I do feel bad. And I have this. <laughs> my, my other senses work better yes, when I'm hungry. Right. But and I do. I do. I do have this fear that they were calling out my name or something. And then yeah. they, they have my credit card information. And regardless, I don't plan on going back to Bethesda Bagels for a year. OK. Until I think that, you know, the coast is clear. Things <laughs> Calm down. I, think I just need things right. calm down and it'll come. We just come shut down. it down until we yeah. know what the hell is going I just on. Want, over there. Well, I just wanted to run by you, you know, AITA, as it were. If I no, I think for... you're fine. I think you're fine. That's their responsibility to get that correct. And if you're in the shop still, yes. Yes. Go ahead and exchange. That's... It's or do not like they can take it and then give it to no, the person, no. right? It's done. Yeah, it's different. I took it. Okay. Once you take it, it's I, done. I think you're fine. As you may be able to hear, I'm a little, I'm a little under the weather. It's seasonal allergies. Or are you yes, actually or, cold? Or did you I just a get cold. a cold from my children? Right. I, How are you? I'm okay. It has it has progressed to last night. I'm just I'm just actually regressing to a child myself. I have a cold, and then I have last night in the middle of the night. I wake up and my ear hurts, and I realize, oh, I have an ear infection. Hold on now, wait, wait. 
you getting like the tinnitus or you actually had a real throbbing pain? No, like real pain. Oh, that's not good. And I was like, oh, gosh, it feels like I'm seven years old. So to pay homage to that, I got up this morning and used some of the leftover pink amoxicillin. <laughs> and I said, what is the correct dosage? <laughs> I think I think a chug. A chug of amoxicillin is probably correct for me at my for weight. For you. you know? Yes, you have to adjust it for I, weight. I looked up you know. it on the internet. What What's the proper pink suspension amoxicillin for a grown adult? So we had that. Look, I'm, I'm going to get some note from somebody how you should not take other people's prescription drugs. I, I know. <laughs> it was not know. being used by anybody. It's just going <laughs> to no. expire. It sits there. No, it's just going to sit there. Yeah. There's a shortage, by the way. And look, I've hoarded the amoxicillin at my house. So you, you're with you, my three children with your okay, infections. Yeah, no, me. I mean, we're in a similar situation with antibiotics at our house, as you know, at the moment. So you're just self-medicating. I mean, for the moment, because I got to get on a plane tomorrow morning and I can't have this ear out of control. <laughs> No, not at a high altitude. No, I gotta, no, no, I gotta no. be, I gotta be on a plane that? with a baby, and unless both of us, they want both of us crying, I can't, I can't have it. No, you don't want. I that. can't have it. No. Okay. But despite being a little under the weather with either allergies or just, I don't know what the congestion's from. I did have a fun weekend because I got to be on Howard Kurtz's show. Hey. On Fox News, which is a media criticism show. It's like the 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 better and surviving version of reliable sources. Yes. By the way, you want to know how many times I was on reliable sources during my time at CNN? Once. Just once. And during that time, uh, I remember it well, Brian Stelter did a uh. monologue about how Trump is a hurricane over all of America and it's so disrupting and chaotic and on one hand like I agree with a little bit of that, but I actually I sort of flipped his metaphor and was like I actually think that most people live in the eye of this hurricane and that we in Washington are really whipping up every single incident that is sort of unorthodox and turning it into part of this giant storm. I don't think the uh, the neutralization of his thesis was appreciated and... I was not invited on again. No, I can I can imagine yeah. that because yeah. you're not playing along with the narrative. This is what I'm saying. I, I you know, I pitched. You're not a team player. I, I should have pitched CNN Plus on media's trash with Mary Catherine Ham, and I, I'm not sure it would have gotten taken up even by CNN Plus. But I could have tried. But anyway, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play a little clip of Please. me. Please, a little clip of me. I'm sure, they were just, excited to just have you back. Reprising, reprising the ranting that happened on our show last week. <laughs> What do you make of the media, most of the media, much of the media, mocking and minimizing the Durham report? Nothing to see here. Old news, totally political. Are they being a tad defensive? Yeah, well, here's my question. If there's nothing there, if it's a nothing burger, if it's all old news, then please point me to the retractions of the 500,000 stories. And I'm not using that as an exaggeration. That's actual studied uh, in, in journalism. 500,000 stories about this storyline that were based on very, very flimsy or non-existent and sometimes fabricated intelligence. This is a real problem. I was there in real time, okay? I was on set, I was at CNN, I was sometimes, I would say often, the only person on set expressing any skepticism of this storyline. And I was looked at like I had a third eyeball, okay? But it turns out that in fact, there wasn't there there, which is what I kept saying. And maybe we should keep an open mind to the idea that there isn't. And this like back and forth, boosting by the FBI saying, well, it must be important if the Times is reporting on it, and the Times saying, well, it must be important if the FBI is looking into it. That does not the basis for now a, what, six-year story make. So, and it's, it's, it's embarrassing that people don't care about it. There you go. So you can go to foxnews.com and watch me rant again. At one point, Howard Kurtz was talking about how, you know, you've sort of lost track of all the characters of this story by now. I do. And he was like, who remembers that Andy McCabe was deputy director of the FBI? And I was like, I do. And he says... 
I feel like you're still working through some of your experience <laughs> here. I was like, I am. I am, Howie. <laughs> yeah. It is hard to keep track because you have Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page. Right. And then there, and then you have Igor Danchenko. Yes. And of course- And then Papadopoulos. And yeah, uh, Papadopoulos, Steele. Uh, Kalimnik. And, and yes, and, and Dolan. Yes. But that's the key one. I think the key one turns out to be, is it Charles? And Sussman, Dolan and Sussman. Yeah, and Weissman. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just horrendous. It is, it is a little exhausting. Our readers but, are like, you got to look it up. Trust us on this. It's, it's, trust and, and only no one, us. Because no one else is digging into it. Nobody else cares about it. <laughs> but these are these are players who are both in, you know, they're toggling back and forth between like Hillary camp and of course the FBI and the Russians. Yeah, no big deal. Just all together. It's just a, just a six year yeah. storyline based on yeah. Clinton funded right. Russian disinfo. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally the opposite. Yeah. Of what was reported. Right. Anyway, they're going to do it again. So stay tuned for that. Speaking of which, we have some 2024 news. Oh, boy. So much 2024 news. I I don't want to always have it dominate the show. But it's going to. But Yes, I know. We got we to gotta set some limits for ourselves okay. because it is fun to toss this stuff around. Yes. But I don't think it's the only story in the news. However, there's a flood of news this week because it is assumed or reported on some authority that Ron DeSantis will probably get into the race this week. Yep. And I actually will, will be in Florida not because I have any sort of inside track, because I was already planning to be down there for something. Are you going to be in Tallahassee? Oh, no. Nah, I'll be he's in He's actually going to be in his hometown. I think the announcement's being uh, made where he's that from. That makes sense. Yeah. Dun- I don't know how you say it. Dunedin? Dunedin? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a panhandle gal myself. If I were to live in Florida... I have never been to the panhandle. I'd be a panhandle I gal. I need that. Been. I need just like, oh, is this just like South Georgia and South Alabama? Sign me up. The Redneck Riviera, as they call it. <laughs> no, it's, a good, it's a good place with beautiful beaches. The beaches are really... really? Oh my gosh, underrated. Because you think of like going to Gulf Shores, Alabama or going to Pensacola, Florida, and you don't get a thrill of like exotic. Well, there's also that town from the the Truman Show, which I believe is for, they filmed is it that, really? that perfectly sort of Oh, maybe Rosemary Beach. And it's, it's out there. Our listeners will know about it. And it's out on the panhandle. Gorgeous. I've, like I've the, been to, the sand yes. is white. The water's blue. It's oh, insane. It's nice. I've been to Ball Harbor, which reminds me of like in the birdcage right. when Gene Hackman and his wife, the senator- Keeps on, you know, they say, oh, we were at, we were at Fisher Island with the bushes, the Jeb bushes. They kept us <laughs> at, we had the, you know, Fisher Island. But So we've got a flood of profiles and coverage of DeSantis this week that yeah. I wanted to dive into a little bit. Mm-hmm. Starting with a Politico oh boy. profile of Casey DeSantis, who is the first lady of Florida, the wife of Governor Ron DeSantis. And as you can imagine, Vic... She's an empowered, lovely lady, mother of three, young children, recently battled breast cancer right. and has come Survivor. out thankfully cancer free. And uh, so as you can imagine, this profile is glowing and kind and fair to Casey DeSantis. Nope. What? Nope. nope, it's not. It's not, Vic. I hate to spoil it. Yeah. But she's referred to the motif of the piece, I would say, is that she's Lady Macbeth. She's Lady Macbeth. Vic, that's that's the metaphor that we reached for over at the old Politico for the very balanced journalism. Well, it's a good thing I saw that movie with Denzel Washington, Macbeth. 
so glad because otherwise you'd be lost. Yes, it. yes. Francis McDormand did a wonderful job. <laughs> That's not a good portrayal. And you would think that somebody would write a piece saying, hey, you know what? Enough with this Lady Macbeth trope mm-hmm. and say that, you know, men and other other critics have just been too harsh when it comes to the wives of politicians. Yep. And that would, in fact, be Politico just a few months ago. <laughs> Was it really? They did. So the, bo- the, the, the story was called The Return of the Lady Macbeth Trope. Oh, well, would you look at that? In November 2022. Who, and, who pray well, tell? Well, yes. Well, you know, about? Of Dr. Jill Biden. Oh, I see. Hillary. And of course, Giselle Fetterman. It's just, you know, not right. <laughs> it's not right. No. It's not right. Is it? Is it just, is it, is it, is it? A, is this, is this performance art given that? Given that headline I appearing several them, months ago, I admire them for the gaslighting, the them. audacity. But do they have that? Do they really have that like short-term memory? Or... I don't think they do. I think the twenty-four-hour news cycle just blows through your politicoed brain, and you have, you yeah. know, Politico famously in this town has people turn in like seven pieces a day. Yeah. <laughs> now I so think it's, I think it's gotten happened. slightly better, but now it's very... I know. So in this Politico piece on Casey DeSantis, they themselves don't say she's like Lady Macbeth, but they have other people quoted to say that. Right. right? Well, and then they sprinkle it throughout. Right. right. It's like unnamed you, sources. Nobody should cross Lady Macbeth. It's like, oh, my God. My God. Now, she is like clearly good. And I think that's the actual. Yeah. Issue she's a power here. player. There's no there's no question about so, that. Yeah. That's. What what this profile amounts to, and I'll read some excerpts from it, but what it amounts to is here's a political couple who are both smart. The wife is telegenic and was a local celebrity as a, as a, a news anchor. Their strengths complement each other. She more outgoing than he, more more extroverted, a little more glad handy, and that they work closely together. That she is no mere trophy wife, that she's engaged in policy and advising him, that they trust each other and spend a lot of time together. And all these things, Vic, I hate to inform you after you have read the the, the old Lady Macbeth. These things are bad now. Oh, they're bad again. They're bad. They're, they're bad, bad again. again. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. yeah, they had... Uh, Politico also did a piece on Susan Pompeo. Same thing. Yeah. What is she up to? No. The plotting. They, well, as you know, yeah. if you're... If you're a right-leaning or conservative jurist on the Supreme Court, your wife should not have a job. Yeah. If you are a governor, your wife should have no ambition. But by the way, if she doesn't have ambition, they will be slagging her for that. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. She's not like a modern woman, and right. she's not like, she's you know. She's a real cookie cutter. No Hillary. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's baking cookies. Is if, if it was, you can't win. <laughs> and if you have a D after your name, you, you can't lose. Yeah. Dr. Joe Biden. That, yeah, is, that's another one. So we'll just, I'll just read how this starts. Yeah. For some, for some time now, she's been seen mostly and by many as an absolute superstar of a political spouse, a not-so-secret weapon, even something like his saving grace, an antidote for her sometimes awkward husband, social in a way that he is not, charismatic in a way that he is not, generally and seemingly at ease in the spotlight in a way that he so often and so evidently is not. Was it a... Stephen King in On Writing, who said that adverbs are a weakness. Yes, yeah, yeah. got to get rid of adverbs. <laughs> a telegenic former television personality, a breast cancer survivor, and a mother of three young kids. Imagine them writing this story about someone who fit that description if she was a Democrat. Casey, 42, has a sort of policy portfolio of her own. Oh, how dare. That ranges from hurricane recovery to issues of mental health. Those sound like pretty good first lady 
priorities. In the DeSantis political project, she is unusually important and uncommonly involved. God, the adverbs. According to hundreds of interviews over the last few years and more than 60 more over the last few weeks, an array of former staffers, current supporters and donors, state and federal lawmakers and Florida lobbyists and political professionals. Quote, she is every bit as involved in Ron's rise as Ron is himself. David Jolly, the ex-GOP Florida congressperson who's now an MSNBC analyst, told me, got to lead with that quote, in shaping him, in driving him, it's different, said a veteran Republican lobbyist. Unlike any first lady in my extended memory, added Tallahassee fixture, Mac Stepanovich. Yes. Yep. The piece, of course, relies on people who have run against DeSantis, consultants who are not employed by DeSantis, people who might be former rivals of DeSantis. Yeah. That, that's peppered throughout the piece. Now, this is partly because the DeSantises, and this is one of the criticisms of both Casey and Ron in this piece, is that they are pretty locked down because they don't offer a lot, they don't offer a lot of access to mainstream media. So strange, considering this is the opening salvo against a cancer-surviving mother of yeah. three. They're not, yes, because they're not doing town halls on CNN. Yeah. That's why. And of course, Trump is helping enable this. Oh, of course. So, uh, yeah, yeah, like the Laura Loomers of the world are all over this piece. They're like, oh, slow clap, yeah. slow clap for this dis- yeah. this Casey DeSantis takedown. Roger Stone is quoted, right? Rick Wilson, really? Yeah. So, I mean, fixes in. You could tell that the media is scared that. I like this... Rick Wilson's quote, by the oh, way. Oh, man. Yeah. Never cross Casey. To which I say, fine. Fine. <laughs> Good. Oh, oh, is she a. Oh, these. Are you. T- these very powerful political players sometimes reward their their allies and punish their enemies. That sounds cr- I've never heard of such a thing in American politics before. And I've yes, <laughs> I've said this before on this on this show, which is if what they want they want obviously is Trump to win, so they're going to help yes. and do everything they can. And Trump's going to help them make look this. It's astonishing how obvious it is. Oh, we can see this. <laughs> It's it's pretty transparent, but if somehow DeSantis does become the nominee, then the the new line of attack will be worse than Trump. Right. Say what you will right, about right. Trump, at least he didn't go after Disney the way and make this culture war the way that DeSantis did, well, and banning books. Whereas yeah. Melania was an empty designer oh. dress, mm-hmm. Casey will be a sinister Disney evil queen behind yeah, yes. the scenes. Say what you will about Melania. But she was no Disney sinister evil queen. Okay. Okay, so I, will, I do want to read a few more quotes from yes, this just because I find them ridiculous. It's always been a them, said a person who's known them since before his first run for Congress. One of many people who will speak candidly only when granted anonymity because of the power of a governor who might be a president and also that of his wife and what they perceive to be their collective capacity for spite. Oh, it's always been a them, huh? Like a, a husband and wife working together on an underdog race for the House of Representatives. That's Oh, so weird. Yeah. That's, so weird. That, that's really not cool. Oh, and one of the yeah. other knocks on her, by the way, is that she, are you guys ready for this? When he was running for Congress the first time, she and he employed her local celebrity and name ID to bring light to his candidacy, Yeah, which is just 101. Like, name ID is the most important thing. If your wife is a local celebrity, you do not not mention that. It's almost like she's trying to help him win. I know, it's weird. Yeah, okay, then, then we have this. Jill Casey Black 
had grown up in Troy, Ohio, a small, mostly white conservative town not far from Dayton, the younger of two daughters of an optometrist and a speech pathologist, a member in the high school, a member in high school of the homecoming court, active in track, basketball, and student government. I love that the idea that she chose to live in a mostly white town. I'm I'm mad at her. She got born into that mostly white town. <laughs> Master plan. Yes. No, she planned it that way. That's, and then this is a good one too. In October of 2021, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. By the way, in a in a profile of a Democratic first lady, of a prospective presidential candidate, this would lead, this would be the whole story, would be the valiant and brave fight with breast cancer. And then her, she has now turned to connecting, one of her initiatives is connecting Floridians with good treatments and making sure that they're using data to drive those decisions. So yeah, you know, just terrible stuff. Anyway, that would be the whole story. In October of 2021, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. In March of 2022, after tiring rounds of treatment, she was deemed to be cancer-free, just in time as it happened for the homestretch of an election year. Damn, Casey, you're so good. You timed your cancer to be to be yes. back in the yes. saddle and yet also perfectly sympathetic at the right. time you hit the trip. I mean, that's if she's in charge of that, more power to her. We need to see the records to confirm the remission. She might have still had it and then decided to go out just to capitalize on that sort of sympathy. How dare she? No, I, I remember when Joe Epstein wrote in the Wall Street Journal suggesting it was silly to call Dr. Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden. Yes. And the amount of oh, hate, mail, and vitriol that Joe got. <laughs> How dare you suggest this? She is a doctor. And I remember watching, for example, the Fetterman-Oz debate. Yeah. And... At times during the debate, the media panel would call Dr. Oz, Mr. Oz. Mm -hmm. The guy is a thoracic surgeon. How dare? Like, really? (laughs) I mean, okay, say what you will. You don't like him, fine. But I mean, you're going to go out anyway. They would never say Mrs. Jill Biden. Just for contrast, by the way, guys, this is the opener of a Wired profile on one Pete Buttigieg. Oh, come on. Who's actually an official in the federal government running the Department of Transportation. Not very well, it turns out. You guys ready for this? Just, co- just compare this to Casey DeSantis, wife of prospective presidential candidate, Pete Buttigieg. The curious mind of Pete Buttigieg holds much of its functionality in reserve, even as he discusses railroads and airlines down to the pointillist data that is his current stock and trade. The U.S. Secretary of Transportation comes off like a Mensa black card holder who might have a secret go habit or a three second Rubik's Cube solution or a knack of supplying off the top of his head. The day of the week for a random date in 1404, along with a non-condescending history of the Julian and Gregorian calendars. That is the opening to a profile of an actual person with actual power who has failed to do his job over and over and over again. And who pretty much got like 0% support from his own state from African-Americans. Fantastic. I believe in just even not only in his home state, but in general, I think he was pulling at about zero. That's a Virginia Heffernan for Wired. Really impressive. Um, There's a line, by the way, in that profile. The one that stuck out with me was a reference to the, quote, cathedrals of his mind, the apses in the cathedral of his mind, the many apses. Can it be real? Can it be real? Yeah, no. And here's the worst part. Aside from the writer who fell in love with Pete Buttigieg, there is an editor, assuming there's an editor, who said, yeah, this is amazing. Let's go for it. Oh, here, here it is. Fortunately... Fortunately, this is what this the author of this profile piece says. Fortunately, he was willing to devote yet another apse in his cathedral mind to making oh. his ideas about three mighty themes, neoliberalism, masculinity, and Christianity, intelligible to me. 
This is embarrassing. My mind's more like a chapel. Like in, mine is a, mine is in a Vegas. Co- mine is a country church. A very right. small country church. a couple church. of little room yeah, here, room here that, old yeah. school pews. Yeah. It's very yeah. charming. Yeah. Maybe not gigantic. Anyway, something. It's got a lot of... Yeah. What is that? Go habit? What is that? I, I don't even know, man. Probably probably some app for for rescuing they, yourself from the, the disaster yeah. that is yeah, the Department okay. of Transportation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tell Pete Buttigieg where there's a pothole. Something like that. Okay. So that that's just an, just an that's interesting... Casey. Yeah, and that, Ron himself, of course. Right. Okay. So I want to commend to you Carol Markowitz's piece in the New York Post. She also did a profile of Casey. Now, obviously. Slightly different. She is more friendly to the DeSantis's, and she's very open about that. She also has contact with the DeSantis's, which is something that so many people in the media lack, aside right. from his press conferences, partly because, and I, I would argue sometimes Trump did himself no favors by not helping the media to get a story correct. In the case of the DeSantis's, yeah. I think... He trusts his own ability to explain things at a press conference under hostile questioning. I think he's proven quite good at it and is not convinced that anyone is asking good faith questions. Ah, the Politico piece might suggest that that's true, but it's important to listen to people who actually have interacted with them, I think. And she paints a very different picture of the cancer surviving mother of three young children who is there to gasp support her husband's rise yeah i know sounds crazy sounds crazy she also says he, she's like actually having fun on the trail which i think is an important part of look i i concede that he is a numbers guy he's a data guy that's what got him through covid and yeah. made him take a different tack he gets very in depth he gets very into numbers and that and the times that i've met him that's what he's interested in and that's what he wants to talk about now on one hand that gives you a very different picture than a trump right who's basically operating on vibes yes and, DeSantis, and he's very good about that he's yeah. very astute about reading a room desantis yeah. acts on data and it's a very different way of doing yeah. business and it's a very different That's personality style i'll take that i think she can be a nice compliment to that which is why it's mm-hmm. like such a weird thing to attack her for being the compliment as ann romney is to mitt romney as bill clinton is to, like, yeah and you could point to both of those and be like well maybe he does have a problem both of those guys lost right I don't think his put-offiness is quite as robust as Hillary's is. No. <laughs> Such that it exists. <laughs> Fewer dead bodies. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> he's, also, he's also, like, really good at running the state of Florida, I think yeah. is, a, is an important part of this story. Despite what anyone says. Yeah. Including Trump. By the way, that's, that's in the, uh, there's a, yet another profile. That's why I want to run, run through this, the, the landscape, because yes. it gives you an idea of how this yeah, is all going to be covered. And what we're dealing with here. Time Magazine, Molly Ball, who I know and used to work with at CNN, writes about DeSantis. Again, there's not a lot of access or experience yeah, with DeSantis. Mm-hmm. But something that comes very late in this piece is his part in pandemic policies says, it was the pandemic critics and supporters agree that changed DeSantis. After initially shuttering schools and restaurants, DeSantis grew frustrated by the lack of clear guidance from Washington and the medical establishment. He began doing his own research. By the way, that's like a little dog whistle to be like, his own research. Yeah, he went, he went on the internet. He didn't trust yeah. the experts. Yeah. And soon concluded that much of the early conventional wisdom about COVID-19 was wrong. The spread of the virus could be mitigated but not contained, he believed. Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York was being hailed by the media for his strong leadership, even as he infected elderly people back 
is he sent infected elderly people back to nursing homes, an act of tragic malfeasance intended to prevent a hospital bed shortage that never materialized. Glad we're giving that such benefit of the doubt. Studying the emerging medical data, DeSantis concluded such fears were based on faulty models, and he almost certainly saved lives by isolating elderly patients. He soon reopened Florida's beaches, schools, and businesses while prioritizing protections, vaccines, and treatments for the most vulnerable citizens. First of all, appreciate that yeah, record a being set huge straight. Huge deal. Just to um, even concede that is huge. And it was like you know buried pretty far down yeah, in sure. the piece. Yeah, you don't want that to be the lead. <laughs> but but this is a I would say the most important part of understanding mm-hmm. how this man came to a almost twenty point win in yeah. a former battleground state. Yeah is yeah. that he was right when a bunch of other people right. were wrong. Right. When you had the Grim Reaper standing on the death on the beach. Yeah. You know, and everyone calling him Death Sanus. Yeah. Didn't care. There's also a, a bit of complaining that he seized emergency powers to tell schools that they should go to school. <laughs> well, yeah. Suddenly seizing emergency powers is a, is a big problem. And, and and now he's dealing with the NAACP saying warning do not go to Florida. Oh, yeah. Because it's very dangerous for you. Just one last quote from that timepiece. This is from a, a colleague as COVID was happening. And he said to me, Nick, I don't care what they say about me now. I care what they say six months from now. I've done the research and I think I'm right. At the time, loosening restrictions seemed like a risk. But DeSantis's confidence was unshakable. Everyone's in hysteria thinking the world is going to end. All his advisors are telling him not to. But business thrived. The economy thrived. People moved here. It took a year, not six months. But he was right. That seems like an important part of the story. That's a huge part of the story. <laughs> and like for all the faults yeah. and for all the things I di- sure. occasionally disagree with with DeSantis, I think it's important to have a leader right. who in that hysterical time looked around and was like, maybe we don't yeah. rob people. <laughs> On the big there. things, he was right. Now, did he bite off more than he can chew with Disney? Maybe. Well, that, yeah. Know. And th- those are but. those are questions, again, like with every politician. I make no secret of the fact that I think he's probably the best shot at knocking off Trump at a primary. Yeah. He's, a, he's a good marriage of the more Trump, more, what am I trying to say? More appealing to traditional Trump voters that can be married with suburban voters, educated voters, and then, like, pump up the role vote as well. And by the way, all the inroads he made with minority voters yeah. in Florida, those things matter. Yes. He got, I believe, double-digit votes from African-American Floridians. Yes. And, again, our own Drew Holden and I believe it was Joe Simonson in the Free Beacon also point out black Floridians earn more than the national average. They have a lower unemployment rate hmm. than the national average. And yet somehow – and also the head of the board of the NAACP lives in Florida – Wow. Yet at the same time, <laughs> that seems like an issue. Warning for we that don't lesson. Want, yes, don't that, come. Uh, don't come here for that don't warning. It's very dangerous. All right. Speaking of minorities in the Republican yes. Party, let's. I'm going to play Ana Navarro hitting both of these guys back to back here. She she not only touts the NAACP warning, but she she has something to say about Tim Scott, recent entrant, You're killing me. I got to tell you, I'm also happy he's in the race because I think there is such a dearth of. Uh, melanin in the Republican Party, and also of optimism and unity, right? So um, when you, you know, the, the bar is low, right? So when, when you've got there is Donald Trump who, and Ron DeSantis, who's also going to announce this week, and they're both full of grievances and 
piss and vinegar. One is spreading conspiracy theories and lies and calling himself the retribution. The other one is manufacturing culture wars against everything and everyone to the point where the NAACP actually issued a travel advisory against going to Florida. The, the formal travel notice states, Florida is openly hostile toward African Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ individuals. So it's audience, a tough, tough job over here. Tough that, job. That's why she gets paid the big bucks <laughs> as the Republican on the, in, on the panel, by the way. Do you think the audience listens to that and is like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, well, cancel all plans some of them for do. Disney World. Some of them know? do, yes. Really? Now, like some of them listen and believe all of this yeah. stuff without question. That's why it would be nice to have someone on the show who pushes back. I think there's somebody yeah. who's hired to do that. I think Anna is Anna is one of the people who's supposed to do that, wow. by the way. <laughs> wow. The manufacturing of culture wars, by the way. Yeah. This again goes along the same lines of the no, we're not teaching critical race theory. Yeah, no, You're it's crazy. Not a real thing. No, we don't push for trans surgeries for minors. And then of course we do. What are you crazy? In fact, it's bigotry yeah. to do anything yeah. less yeah, right. than we've that. always maintained that. Oh. So she's so glad that Tim Scott's getting into the race, not because of any of Scott's obvious good qualities. But mostly no, because, because of, of the color, because of the melanin. That's how they decide. That's how they yeah. make their decisions. To be fair, she called him positive. I think yeah. that is true. Okay, well, uh, I hope so. Let's play a little bit of Tim Scott announcing in South Carolina. This, of course, complicates a bit a Ron DeSantis's path, as does Nikki Haley yes. entering the race, because you would think South Carolina, natural fit, southern, right. state, southern states, near Florida, might yeah. be the place he would yeah. gain some early momentum mm -hmm. in those early states. However, now you've got two South Carolina entrants who will get a lot of votes there. So here's Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina. And that's why I'm announcing today that I'm running for president of the United States of America! Not joking around with Is, some quiet announcement, I, I think That was like Mel Gibson yelling freedom was, at the end of like Braveheart. Bruce Buffer. Training under Bruce Buffer. He's the... If you guys don't know, he's a MMA announcer. Oh, yeah. He's the go. brother of the original okay. Let's Get Ready to Rumble. Oh, yeah. I believe, yeah. Okay. Great voices. <clears throat> I sound like him right now, actually, thanks to my cold. <laughs> it's, 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 it's Kathleen Turner review. So he, it's very funny. He seems like a genuinely likable oh, very. guy. Yeah. He did say when he, when he came out, he, he said Charleston with this falsetto thing going on there which Rachel Maddow likened to Peter Brady, which I think that's kind of mean. At the same time, I it did remind me of the song from the Brady Bunch, when it's time to uh, when it's time to change, it's time to rearrange. And that's when Peter's <laughs> voice, because he loses his voice. Right. It was a great episode on how to handle puberty. But uh, <laughs> this is not, but that's a minor quibble. You know, this is not Howard Dean no. losing his mind on stage. No, I think I think Tim Scott... He was good. I thought he was I, I thought it was good. Likeable, period. And actually, Free Beacon reporting on some of his... Polling, Scott enjoys high popularity among Republicans who have heard of him, including voters in his home state and crucial primary state of Florida, South Carolina. An April poll found 47% of voters in the state hold a positive view and only 25% a negative one. Yeah. Those are good numbers. Why would you have a negative one? So those are good. Numbers. Yeah, he led this whole, you know, the whole criminal justice reform yeah. thing after George Floyd. He speaks. He's, he he speaks very well. He has standing to talk about something mm -hmm. like criminal justice. And he speaks reform. very very well. For any politician, not in the Joe Biden <laughs> describing yes. Barack Obama, no, I think you know, he's, a black man who's no, clean, clean shaven and, and speaks very yes. eloquent. No, I, no. See, I have moved so far past. Yeah, I'm like the woke, that. the woke no, crowd. No. I can just say that someone's good at yeah. speaking. Full stop. Full stop. <laughs> and he's very good at raising money. That see, is a very important point. It, yes. is, it is. the 
Again, though, when you were talking about him joining the race, that's two candidates out of the possibly potentially seven on the Republican side from the same state, yes. right? So they cancel each other out. How does that impact Ron DeSantis? There's only one person that really benefits, and that's Donald Trump, which is probably why he sent out that truth on Truth Social congratulating, congratulating Tim, Scott. Tim Scott and see you on the trail and right. everything else. And maybe I think he gave Nikki Haley sort of his blessing, not that you have to get his blessing, but, you know. Well, Nikki Haley in a move that I find quite puzzling was yeah. endorsing his Trump's refusal to debate, which I'm like, I need a little more come yeah. at me, bro, from Nikki you Haley. Because she's right. she'd be quite good at that. Yeah. And I'd like to see it. Right. I, I am fond him. of both Haley and Scott. And Scott, I do think, is a is a great messenger. He tells stories about policy yeah. instead of just pitching policy. And that is powerful and helpful when you're right. trying to communicate such things. And so I appreciate having him as a messenger. And we'll, we'll see where this leads. Like you said, he has a war chest. He does. And He's almost... also polling at 1% right now. But, you know, he just <laughs> announced. Things can change. Same thing with DeSantis. Once DeSantis gets into the race, I think those poll numbers are going to change. I also just hate this thing where everyone's like, oh, paper... Paper Tiger, Ron DeSantis, and like, like, even if it was someone else, can we, we haven't started. So much energy. Can we start has, first yes. before we declare the thing? So much energy has been expended. So much ammo has been used against the guy who has yet to declare, as of the taping of the show, his presidency. And in Tim Scott, though, the other thing that's going to be interesting is the media reaction to him during the campaign. Because I think there's nothing more that drives them nuts than a black Republican. Because... For some reason, it's harder for them to say, well, he's not really a Republican. It's much more easy for them to say, well, he's not really black. And they actually do. <laughs> they really do. They, they lean hard on the old, very, yeah. very explicit racism. Yeah. Uncle Tim is what they say. Oh, you know, I mean, it's it, so it's, gross. It is. It is ridiculous. And he has he has suffered many slings and arrows of that type in addition to the traditional racist slings and arrows that yeah. one might endure no. growing so from, up in South Carolina so as a black man. from both sides growing yes. up until now, he's getting it from one side and now he's getting it from the other. And by the way, his I think his experience as a as the son of a single mom growing up as a black man in South Carolina is helpful as it relates to communicating with Republicans who might not, white Republicans who might not have that experience, right? And don't yeah. see it ever from that side. I think he's used, he's helpful for like telling those stories. Yeah. Which is what made, aside from the fact that Democrats were like, nah, we'll filibuster the hell out of this, his push for criminal justice reform. Interesting, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know what we haven't done, Vic? What haven't we're moving we on from 2024 at, at, at a mere 40 minutes in. Yes, I noticed the <laughs> clock. Now, we did take a little bit of a break, yeah, but we get, still. We got to. 40. We got to yeah, yeah. okay. get into it. Okay. Yeah, what's happening? All right. We did not do an update around tax day. Oh, yeah. On the, the efforts of the old Biden administration to go after Venmo. Yeah. And the oh, online right. payment services. That's right. So I want to I want to do out? a quick update on that. I believe this is one of those things that we were told was definitely not happening in these 80 what is it 80 something thousand IRS employees yes. hired yeah. Employ not agents, look, not agents. Look, it's with just guns. it's just with to guns. go after a handful of billionaires, yeah. you know, because we need 20,000 agents per billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> to really yeah, rack we'll up after what we need. Right. Okay, what's obvious to everyone is that this number of employees added is added, well, partly just because government agencies just love to bloat, bloat, bloat as much as possible. And so we have these like new 80,000 public servants to comb through every tiny bit of revenue they could possibly get off of the American people. And so the online payment platform, this is a tax policy center, has this is Venmo, has 83 million 
worldwide users. 38% of Americans say they use it. This tax year, those Venmo users will need to pay closer attention to their use of the app. That's because next year, these platforms, including PayPal and Cash, will need to send Form 1099-K to anybody who received $600 or more in payments related to goods or services during 2023. So this is a real thing that's happening. I just want to confirm that because yeah. we had talked about it in the past and we had talked about some of the gaslighting where this was people were saying this was not the case. And Byron Donalds was on Meet the Press yes, with the black Cong Republican congressman. Yes, from Florida, who, by the way, really good on TV. Yeah, really good. I, I watch him and I'm like, oh, I like how you prosecuted that whole case, sir. Yeah, that's um, very good. So he's talking to Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. And I just I want to play this just for the, the question that or the, the statement that Chuck Todd puts out there. Here we go. But there's one more thing House Republicans are asking for, which is they want fewer IRS agents. They want fewer attempts to try to properly uh, get tax receipts into the federal government's coffers. I have never understood the resistance of extra IRS agents uh, unless you knowingly cheat on your taxes. Uh, that, first of all, that's, that's salacious, and you know that. Most Americans, by far, pay their taxes, and they do it honorably. What House Republicans, and frankly, the Republican Party is concerned about, is having IRS agents go after middle-class families and small business owners. When you have that many more agents, it's not to go after the rich. It's to yeah. go after the middle again, class. That's again, what it's if, for. So if you're, if you're paying what you're supposed to pay, then you should have nothing to fear. It is a top-tier American political journalist, Chuck Todd, asking... Hey, if you pay your taxes properly, what do you have to fear from this arm of the state who is empowered to ruin your life? So you think he if they find a friggin' typo? He wasn't. He wasn't asking like I'm gonna. <sighs> he wasn't asking like I'm gonna throw a softball at you here. But you think he genuinely was like, well, I mean, honestly, I think these people are basically agents of the state, and he believes yeah. this. Uh, Let's see what Byron has to know, say. He should shall know we, better. Shall we play Byron's repast? You would make the assumption that IRS audits are up, that they're, they're mm -hmm. putting out more liens on the American people. That's not true. That data's not there. All Joe Biden's trying to do is find every possible nickel out of every couch from every American mm -hmm. to pay for his radical spending. Why would we do that? I just love, but if you're doing everything right, like, please That's apply right. that, audit, that argument to police... Right. No. It's so selectively applied. Because you no, don't need a lawyer if you no don't do one, anything wrong, guys. No one. Yeah. No one who ever followed the rules has never been audited, not audited. Right. So, I mean, it's yeah. like totally safe. Yeah. Totally it's safe. never happened. But what Byron Donalds is saying is right, because, you know, studies have shown that if you are and the Free Beacons reported on this, if you are a black or another minority who does not make a lot of money, the odds are you're going to be the ones being targeted for audits and nickel and dimed. Perhaps right. you didn't get everything right. Not intentionally, but even unintentionally when you're filling out these forms because you're not having an accountant do it. Right. In fact, you can't afford an accountant, you can't afford a lawyer, so you get the IRS to send you, the, the, the IRS will send you the notice saying you are off by X thousand dollars, owe this or, you know. And by the way, if you want to employ someone at your own cost to figure this out for you, you will be paying interest on those thousands yeah. of dollars yeah, yeah. if it's not resolved but in most your favor. But most people, would rather not deal with the hassle of having to fight it because they don't have the means. And no, so they'll is, just write the extra check. This is my thing about the tax, the overly complex tax code, is that complexity is a subsidy for anyone who can hire a very good accountant. Yeah. And those who cannot or who can hire, like, you know, a mediocre accountant, they are the ones yeah. that lose out. And yeah. they are not billionaires. Yeah. The, the Beacon, actually, when they did this piece, they even mentioned the IRS commissioner, Danny Werfel, who admitted as much 
is that you know there there's still going to be this this you know large number of people who are audited who turn out not to be billionaires and millionaires. Oh, so weird, so weird. Yeah, that's Danny Werfel, W. E-R-F-E-L, not Danny Werfel with the U, the former Redskins quarterback. I was just going to ask him, right. he a former did, did, football he, player? He was a former Redskins quarterback. We used, so bad, we used to call him Danny Awful. Okay. He actually, so he no. just worked in Washington long enough that they gave him this Yeah, gig. you know, he yeah. stayed. He stayed in town. Okay. I was going to ask. Speaking of sports. Hey. There you go. There's a transition. <laughs> oh, the L.A. Dodgers involved in some nonsense yeah. this week. So for Pride Month, many companies, of course, are... Showing off their rainbow flag. It's not even June yet, and I, we're talking about it. This is the, no. The, there is a there is a ramp up. This is like every holiday, by the way. Valentine's Day is like they start in yeah. November. Yeah. D- Christmas they yeah. start in August, right? So Pride Month has to start in like February. We are yeah. The, the ramp up. There was no ramp up to Asian American, Pacific Islander, and Jewish hey, American Day. Yes. I'm just gonna say that people forget it's still happening. We need to continue celebrating Although, my, my, my month. We should find the clip of this. Although they did, someone had the very bad idea of putting Biden in front of a list of Asian names to read off to honor a group of people for Asian American wow. Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Yeah, there's and a lot of potential like, there. And, and, and Joan, Shingang, Shanga, Kawawa. Somebody really should have phoneticized that for the old yeah, president. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, that would have been ripe for an SNL parody. Right. Okay. Doing that. So the Dodgers invited a group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to the team's Pride Night, June 16th. This happened earlier this week. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, oddly enough, we mentioned them last week when we were doing the, the, the discussion of the curbed piece on San Francisco. Yeah. They are a group of drag performers who does campy and frankly sometimes offensive if you're a christian or a oh. catholic pageants on easter portraying hunky jesus for instance or i think nuns in various degrees yeah. of undress yeah yeah carrying sometimes so actual the, crosses the, the, and crucifixes okay so this was a question of mine i had and i actually have it written down mm-hmm. which is are these Biological men or women? Lesbians wearing nun habits or men wearing nun habits? Honestly, I'm not sure which one. I'm not. I have not delved into this. No, I because think... they're they're vague in their description and the the the, the art of the news article. But the, you said was very so this vague. is this is the kind of performance that this group yeah. puts on. And there are actual crucifixes and crosses involved. Oh, okay. No, no. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, though, are also a nonprofit organization that fundraises and volunteers to help the LGBTQ plus community. Now, the nun. Nuns and the drag nuns and the hunky Jesus with the actual, you know, iconography of Catholicism and Christianity with them. It turns out some people take offense to that. Catholics and some Catholic organizations and Catholic fans were like, whoa, 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 whoa. There can't be too many of them. What are we doing here? Yeah. And there was a moment where the Dodgers said, oh, maybe we won't partner with this particular organization. Right. But you have to partner with an organization. But, but... The Dodgers then caved after they had said they would disinvite him. They reinvited them because, of course, you have to in, you have to embrace the most extreme yeah. of the groups in order to be seen as non-bigoted. How big is the 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 vocal the pushback though? I think it's a vocal minority 
and that there is probably a large number of people out there who want to go see a baseball game and just want to see the baseball game yes. with their kids. And that's it. Well, and not and we're not talking about intolerance. We're talking about a forced celebration. So this, yeah, that's the line, right? When it, whether it's the NHL or yeah. it's the Dodgers, NHL. it's like not only do you have to be on board for the rainbow flag, which is one thing, mm -hmm. right? You, every single member must wear the ribbon. Yeah, wear the ribbon. Wear yeah, the jersey, the ribbon. right? We got yeah, mad yeah, because one guy didn't want to wear the jersey. And then for this, not only do you have to embrace the rainbow flag and the tolerance, it is celebration of yeah. something that many fans very reasonably yeah. find offensive to their right. religion. By the way, would they invite a nonprofit group whose pastime is doing drag Muhammad? I don't think they would. Wouldn't it be uh, funny? I just wrote that down right here. I said perpetual imams, sisters of <laughs> imams of perpetual indulgence. Yeah, I'm sure. Thanks. I'm sure they would uh, go for yeah. that. <laughs> so they, yeah, so the Dodgers uninvited them and apologized. And then after some Twitter bullying, they re-invited them and made their logo rainbow and apologized. Okay. The Dodgers have, uh, I would say, a large population of immigrant Hispanic Catholic fans yeah. in L.A., right? But it doesn't matter. They're, the religion of corporate America is now yeah. this in all its forms, it is not an attempt just to be tolerant. It is an attempt to make everyone celebrate every facet. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. Like, to me, this is just like, again, like the like the Dylan Mulvaney thing. It's just crapping on your current customer base. And it's not that there aren't lesbian and gay fans of the Dodgers. Of course there are. But, like, we can't just partner with a different group. It has can to we, be can we just, this one. Should Again, we're focusing... Many people have talked on this about this on our side, which is rather than focusing on the things that divide us, perhaps let's talk about things. Let's find things that unite us, like I don't know, baseball. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no, we can't. But have this that. started, but but it's really, I, you know, you have to give them credit, the activists credit, because they've managed to penetrate every single segment of society. Yeah, sports. Right. You're talking baseball, hockey, you name it. Everywhere you go, you are going to be, you know, celebrating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's no other way to put it. You're going to be wearing no, the ribbon. It's not even June. Uh, no, yesterday. Did you notice yesterday on the Google search engine had it was a celebration of the the what would have been the 69th birthday of Barbara May Cameron, who was this radical lesbian activist mm -hmm. from a very long time ago, and she passed. And so on the Google search engine, it is a cartoon image of her. Not a great cartoon, I would say. And other lesbians, and she's holding the 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 LGBTQIA two S plus right. flag. It's unclear that Barbara Cameron, how she would have felt about the trans movement right, versus the lesbians. Because as we know, and we know from Abigail Schreier. Are you saying she might have been a little turfy? Is yeah, that what well, you're that's the thing. A little bit much. Is she being appropriated? Yeah. So one one last thing. Beer and baseball baseball oh. really losing their way. Yeah. Beer it's... too. What's going on? <laughs> so so in the wake of the Dylan Mulvaney thing, which lost Bud Light a ton of money because I think it's just like completely lost sight. Continuing to. I know. Completely lost sight of who they're serving, who their customer yeah. base is. Became, I think, one of the one of the worst things you can be, which is the butt of a joke yeah. culturally. Right? If you're holding a Bud Light can now, oh, it's, it's a yeah. target. Even if you like Well, and so, now now the, know. the the light beer that I enjoy, Miller Lite. I like the taste of Miller Lite. Yeah. Although I will say Bud Light Lime. Personal favorite of mine over the summer. Wow, I know. you know, I know. If, if me only and, if only Carlos Britt, right? The uh, General McChrystal the, and me. I was going to say, yeah, the the uh, the head of the 
I don't think he still. I don't know if he still owns it, but he was, uh, you know, presided over AB InBev. Yeah, and I didn't think I didn't think Bud Light Lime was going to work, or but it, it's, good, it's it's working good, on you. It's good. It's summer, working on you. Good summer okay. day drinking. So okay. anyway, so Miller Light. Sorry. Let's play a little Miller Light and what what they have going. And this is, I think, an attempt to reach out to me. Here's a little known fact: women were among the very first to brew beer ever. From Mesopotamia to the Middle Ages to colonial America, women were the ones doing the brewing. Just to start off. Yeah. Fine. Interesting fine. to me. Yeah. Factual. I, I'm actually, sure. I'm actually here for this. Why I would like to know more. Let's see which direction. The you got to collect the grains. This is, by the way, a star of the show, Broad City, comedian who's often very funny. Let's see which direction we go with this. I'm, I'm interested to hear more. Centuries later, how did the industry pay homage to the founding mothers of beer? They put us in bikinis. Wow. It's her disapprovingly removing an old beer poster with a lady in a bikini. Look at this Wild. It's time beer made it up to women. So today, Miller Lite is on a mission to clean up not just their but the whole beer industry's Miller Lite has... What are we doing? What's with all the... What's with all the... The, the, the swearing that it, they're making that because, oh, that makes it edgy. And and we're now saying that beautiful women are bad. Yeah. Boo by the, to bikini. By the Boo. Way, uh, and put your burkas on, everybody. This, know, That's well, the this, new Miller Lite ad. The, act, the, actress, the actress here, of course, normally is very stylish and cute and is in this ad in like a very Schlafly-esque yeah. sweater and a tweed skirt because <laughs> I guess we're going for contrast here. Okay, here we go. She's throwing away the posters. We're very angry about it. been scouring the internet for all this and buying it back so that he can turn it into good for women brewers. Literally, good How, you ask? Ladies, take it away. First, we turn the bad into compost. Then we feed compost to worms. Push out beautiful fertilizer. That good helps farmers grow quality hops which has been donated to women brewers to make their own really good shit. But there's definitely more shit out there. In your attic, in the garage, in your parents' basement. Send any shit you got into Miller Lite, and they'll turn that into good shit, too. Oh, so here's to women. Because without us, there would be no beer. And this is like the professor who cusses to show that the class cool, is very right? cool. cool. I'm hip. I'm it's with like, it. I get it, guys. I cuss sometimes, too. Yeah. I mean, I guess. <laughs> the biggest winner in all this now clearly is Coors. Yeah, I don't I, unless Coors starts doing something else. I don't know. Although but, you know. I, they're all owned by each other, also. I'm not sure which brands are owned uh, by whom. But Coors, yeah. Coors and Blue Moon, I know, are the same. Mm. And Coors is generally a right leaning. But honestly, every ad company has been captured AB, by this kind by of this, messaging. Yeah, they all feel so, like they're forced. But now I think after the Bud Light incident, that there's going to be some pushback, and there's a little bit of pushback against Miller Light. I heard, but. Yeah, AB and Bev is huge. They own Corona as well. Ilana, Gla- Ilana Glazer is her name. And one of my, I, I really enjoy this writer, Phoebe Maltzbovi, writes for the Free Press about it. And she says, watching the video did not get me angry, nor did it make me want to buy beer. It just made me feel confused. Glazer is, a, is an attractive millennial actress, one who is not averse, nor should she be, to showing off her physique. And not just on her own TV show. An Instagram post of hers from a few days ago where she's in a sports bra has some commenters crying hypocrisy. Moreover, the feminism of Broad City... It's a famously feminist comedy show, would put a man in a Speedo to push beer and make a point about gender equality rather than dressing Glazer in a Republican lady's pullover. It's just weird. It is weird. But it's also this weird sort of reverse effect of it, it, this Puritanism. Yes. Like, are we offended by women yeah, in bikinis like right. 
on the beach? You I know, don't. I don't know. This goes to what Mary Eberstadt would talk about, where suddenly you know the you know the pendulum has swung so far in one direction that now you're asking. You demand that, you know, men ask for consent before trying to kiss a girl and things like that. And now we're back to where we started in a very weird, dark way. I just, I find it so odd. I think there's a real disconnect also with these marketing executives who think that there are millions of young people who are ready to embrace, you know, this whole thing and transgender ideology and everything is great. It's hip. It's cool. And that the number of fratty bro drinkers out there, and not even fratty, just... People who want to drink beer yeah. well, is a small percentage. Like, I would say I am the part of the demo Just you're trying to reach. Don't me over the head with it. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm part of the yeah. demo you're trying to reach. Yeah. I'm a, an educated suburban mom who might enjoy a light beer every now and then, right? Yeah. If you pitch to me something about the history of women and beer, I actually find that interesting. If you make it cute yeah. and fun, I guess what they thought they were doing, cute and fun with the cussing and the women brewers, mm-hmm. I, I just found it weird. Yeah. And totally detached from the actual person I think they're trying to reach. Because are you really trying to reach like TikTok Gen Z and millennial women? Is that what is that your aim? They don't wear tweet skirts, I don't think. <laughs> no, what's <laughs> happening here? Okay. Oh my God. Are we good? I just just know your audience, people. All right. I we wanna, know our, we, our audience. We know our audience. We're getting audience. hammered, which is why we're going to finish up now. <laughs> and I just want to say props to our producer, Jennifer Hupful, because there's going to be a lot of editing going on on this episode for m- multiple reasons. Primarily because we decided to do our podcast from Runway 7 at LaGuardia. You know, it, it was it's a strategic uh, error now that we... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe... I thought it would be good. It's like that YouTube video for Beautiful Day. It's rare at Charles de Gaulle. It's kind of cool. <laughs> oh, wait. They dubbed it later. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Uh, that we're, wraps- we're getting our feet under us. It's, yeah, it's okay. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. We have a new thing for you to follow at Getting Hammered Podcast on Instagram. I will be promoting it on my own Instagram and my Twitter so you guys can join us there. We can have a little place to dish, you know, not just my comment section and where I don't do a ton of politics on Instagram. We're going we're gonna to kick it over to the Getting Hammered Instagram. It's going to be fun. You can see video of us. Hopefully video where like my lighting is pretty good and my hair looks okay. Depending on the day. Sometimes I'm not going to put on makeup for you, Vic. It's not going to happen. She gets a light. I don't get a light. I'm just (laughs) casting the shadows I need a ring light. It's in my contract. It's in my rider, Vic. All right. I'm at MK Hammer. Follow at Getting Hammered Podcast on Instagram and see what we have brewing. (laughs) Thank you for getting hammered responsibility. (laughs) This has been a nebulous media podcast. (laughs) 